You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Judges chapter 4, we are going to look at an incredible, incredible life. And prayerfully, what we'll do is we are going to learn some leadership lessons that you and I can apply in our life. These are leadership lessons that you can apply in the place of business that you're at. It can apply in the schools that you're going to. It it applies in the families that you're raising. It certainly applies in our community. But it really, really applies as leaders of the kingdom of God. Um, As we get ready to move into... Let me ask a quick question because I want to see if I'm the only sinner in here. Um, How many of you caused a little bit of trouble when you were young in an elementary school? Just go ahead... Raise your hand, raise your hand. I notice none of our teenagers are. Your parents are sitting next to you. That's okay. Don't, don't do that. Um, I, I used to... Okay, so guys, let me ask you in a second. How many of you found yourself maybe in a fight or two on the blacktop when you were in elementary? Okay, you heathens. <laughs> heathens. Well, I, I, I would find myself when I was young, very young, sometimes in a little bit of a tussle. And the worst thing... That one little boy could say to another little boy is, you fight like a girl. Because there was an insinuation in that. And the insinuation was that women, girls, aren't, aren't tough. But let me tell you something. Women are tough. I, I've grown up to appreciate like watching my mom and how tough she is. Um, I, I have greatly appreciated it as my wife and I have been married for 17 years. This, this is a tough woman. Trust me. Try walking in her house with shoes on and going up the stairs. She's a tough woman. I promise you. And, and it's not only just in my house, but I have, I have the incredible blessing of getting to work with some women. Uh, Lisa, I get to work with Mallory and others on the, on this campus. And let me tell you, they are tough women. Women are tough. And the lady that we're going to be talking about today is no exception. Her name was Deborah. How many of you remember um, Muhammad Ali? It's okay. So if you do, maybe you can, you can finish this. He said that he could float like a butterfly and sing like a bee. Did you know that Deborah's name in Hebrew literally means bee? She was sweet to her, her, to those that she loved, but let me tell you, she could sting her enemies. And what we're going to find out today is that Deborah has passed down so many leadership lessons to you and I. And before we get to it, though, the one thing you have to recognize is, in fact, that you are a leader. Because if this whole topic is going to be germane to you, you need to first come face to face with the reality that you are a leader. Because there are some individuals who do not see themselves as a leader. When leadership is spoken of, they, they, they point to this person or to that person or to another. But they rarely will point to themselves as a leader. And let me, let me get this thing straight with you this morning before we go into it. You are a leader. And it's not because somebody has bestowed leadership upon you. It's because your God has bestowed leadership upon you. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark 16, 15. He said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. Was he saying that to just a select few? You're going to have to work with me this morning. No. 
This was a charge or a great commission to every single one of us who believe in him. He said, it is your duty to go into the world and to make disciples that you are called to lead. And more now than at any time in history, we need leaders to rise among us. More now than ever, we need a generation of people who would say, Lord, use me how you would see fit. Um, there's a story about four people. And their names were everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. And there was an important job to be done, and everybody was asked to do it. Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. But everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. <laughs> How many of you know God has called everybody to do this job? God has called each of us to do this. And because he's called us, he's called you a leader as well. Well, this morning we're going to continue in looking at, at, at Deborah. Um, turn, if you haven't yet, to chapter 1. Sorry, chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now it says, After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. And the commander of the army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hagoyim. Sisera, who had 900 chariots, iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. And read this last sentence with me. Then the people... Here is a cyclical experience that Israel would go through. They would get to a place where they had become comfortable... They got to a place where they felt secure. Listen, put it this way. They got to a place where they forgot they needed a savior. And what would happen in their apathy and what would happen in the lack of passion in their life is that they would start to fall into temptation. They would see sin going on around them and the entire body would then begin to engage in sin. And as they became sinful and they forgot their relationship with the Lord or dismissed their relationship with the Lord, what God would do is he would begin to punish them. He would begin to remind them of their need for a savior. Now, I used to look at that and say, wow, man, God just jacked you up. But the reality is God did that because he loved them so much. The Bible tells us very clear that the Lord punishes those whom he loves and he chastises those whom he calls his sons. How many of you know this? Uh, there's two ways of, of learning wisdom, of gaining, attaining wisdom. The first way is you make your mistakes. The second way is learning from others' mistakes. How many of you know that the second way is a lot easier? A lot less painful, right? So as we see this cyclical experience that Israel would go through, getting comfortable in their relationship, not really getting concerned about their sin, falling from their walk with the Lord, the Lord reminding them by oppressing them through oftentimes another country and them coming back to the Lord and repenting. Remember, we just talked uh, last week. We talked about what? We talked about confession and worship, right? That we would keep our accounts short with God. 
That's why it's so important that, that when we see sin in our life, that we're quick to come to the Lord because we never want to walk in the footsteps of what the Israelites did time after time after time. I know this. I'd rather come to the Lord now before I ever had his punishment than to come to him after his punishment comes, right? Let's read. Verse 4. It says, Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. So here, here's the nation of, of Canaan. The Canaanites are oppressing Israel to such a degree that they have 900 chariots of iron and that there is such oppression of that place. It's reminding us of, of, of almost another judge that would come is, whose name was Gideon. Remember how Gideon used to have to hide because the oppression was so tough. Here's, here's, here's Deborah, and she's in a situation that's less than optimal. But write this down as number one. Our first lesson that we can learn is that leaders lead even when it's hard. Leaders lead even when it's hard. Deborah wasn't stepping into a situation where everything was peachy keen. I mean, everything wasn't just teed up for her like, hey, you're just going to walk on in here and just everything's going to be fine. You're just going to lead these people. Everything's hunky-dory. No, it was far from that. It was tough. There was oppression going on. And yet it was during that very time that Deborah stepped up into her leadership role. People would come to her and ask her to judge. And in the Hebrew, that word judge also means to lead, that she's facilitating, that she was not just a, a judicial overseer of Israel, but she was also a prophetess of Israel. She would speak forth the word of God. She would dis, uh, oversee disputes. She had a huge role. And all the while, as she's carrying out this role, she's dealing with the Canaanite oppression. How many of you would say that, 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 that's kind of a tall order? That's a, that, that, that's a tough job. But leaders lead even when it's tough. Now, the reality is this. Um, you won't face the same kind of oppression that Deborah did. Like, you're not going to have 900 iron chariots driven by Canaanites showing up at your house. If you do, you towed that stuff because I want to see it. That's not going to happen. But how many of you know you are going to face oppression? You are going to face resistance as you step into leadership. It's not a maybe. It's a guarantee. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies. When you step into becoming the leader that God has called you, you best expect resistance. It's going to come. The enemy is going to resist you and oppose you in so many ways. And I don't know how he opposes you. This is typically how he comes in opposition to me. It's not like with, you know, the big porch, the big uh, pitchfork and the tail and the horns and all that stuff, right? It comes in, the, it comes in a really small whisper. And these are some of the things that he likes to whisper to me when it comes to stepping up in leadership for the kingdom of God. Who do you think you are? You're not good enough to do that. Or you're not smart enough. Or you're too young. Or you're too old. What, what kind of education do you have? How many know what I'm talking about? You're not making a difference. See, opposition can come in the... Still small whisper of the enemy 
who wants to sow seeds of discouragement so that you would stop being what you've called to be. So that you would flee from what God has called you to be. Because listen, he has to oppose you. He wants to oppose you. You know why? Because he's scared to death of you. Because he sees in you the potential and the power of the risen son of God. You know how, you, can you imagine, I wish, if any time in history, you can go back to any point in the Bible or any time in history, have you ever thought about where you'd like to go back to? Somebody, please. <laughs> Has anybody ever thought of a place you'd like to go back in history and just wish you could see, you could see that? Okay. The place I'd love to go, I would love to go see Satan's face when Jesus rose again. <laughs> that would be awesome, Right? And, and, and so what he sees in you and your potential of leadership is he sees what he saw that day. He sees the power of Jesus Christ in you, the power of the Holy Spirit being manifested in you and that, the, and that you can be used by God and powerful. You know why? So, so what does it do? It freaks him out because it freaks him out. He's going to oppose you and he's going to whisper doubts to try to get you to stop doing what you've been called to do. Now, verse five. It says that she would sit, Deborah, would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites would go to her for judgment. Did you see the picture there? Here, here, here's, here's Deborah, your atypical leader, sitting between these two palms. And the people would come to her. Write this down. Leaders don't always fit the mold. Leaders don't always fit the mold. How many of you sometimes when you think of a leader, you have a certain image in your head? You have a certain picture in your head of what that person would look like. Well, Deborah didn't look like it. And maybe you don't look like that leader. You know what's good to know? Even Jesus didn't fit the mold. Here's Jesus, the son of God, born to some poor teenagers from this small little town. Anything good come out of where he come from? They said no. In fact, not only was he socioeconomically not the mold, but even physically, Isaiah told us he wasn't the mold. Look at what it says in Isaiah 53, too. It says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. How many of you see, says, you know, that, well, that's the image of a leader, right? No, because that's not how we judge our leaders that's not how we look for our leaders in fact there was a time in the history of israel when they were clamoring for a king and they were saying god we want to be like these other nations they all got kings and so we, we we want a king too and so what they chose was this king he was tall he was dark he was handsome not unlike me okay short fat i don't know what he was anyways but he was tall dark and handsome he looked he looked the part and his name was what? King Saul. And, and he would lead his people and those who followed him in a reign of terror. Chasing others throughout the desert trying to kill. And then there came along some ruddy little guy. His name was David. But he was a man after God's own heart. And he would lead Israel into unprecedented prosperity and peace. In his reign. You see, be careful to judge someone on the outer appearance. That's not what God does. He looks 
inside. And so when, when, when you look at yourself and, and, and the enemy's whispering to you, remember, because that's what he does. You're not this, you're not that, you're not the other one. And so all of a sudden you start believing that and you say, well, I don't fit that mold. Neither did Deborah. But she led because she was called and because the circumstances demanded it. Listen, family, the circumstances today demand it. The circumstances today demand it. When you look in your jobs and you look in your schools, you look in your communities, don't you see just pain? Don't you see desperation? Don't you see drowning? It's the repercussion of sin and it's it's the absence of a relationship with Jesus. The circumstances require that you leave even if you don't think you fit the mold. The only qualifier for your leadership is who God has said you are. Period. Period. We step into what we step into because God has called us. Verse 6. Now one day she sent for Barak. Different Barak. Different Barak. One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. And she said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. Here's an important leadership lesson. Write, write this one down. Leaders never lead alone. Leaders never lead alone. Leadership is a team sport. As great as you are and all the giftings that God has given you, in order for you to lead, he did not call you to leave by yourself. To lead by yourself. Even Jesus, did he lead by himself? Son of God? He he, he took some folks around him, didn't he? He led with other leaders, and and so should you. Leadership has a a dangerous component to it. Can, Can I tell you what it is? Leadership can have a dangerous component, especially when your leadership is effective. You begin to think you're all that. And I love you, but you're not. You're awesome, but you will never be as awesome as you are with others. Something's going to bug me today. Can I tell you what it is? The Super Bowl. It's going to bug me. How many, first, before we go into that, how many Patriot fans do we have in here? We'll just go ahead and escort you out, sir. There's a, I'm so kidding. Anybody cheering for the Eagles? Okay, okay. We got a couple of them. Remember when you guys were all Panther fans? What happened? Anyways. What's going to happen in the game is this. And I don't know when this started, but it started, I would say, maybe a few years ago. Somebody, because you know players, they got their name on the back of their jersey, right? They'll score a touchdown. And I've seen this. Tell me if you, you know what I'm talking about. We're a wide receiver. We'll score a touchdown, get all pumped, and he'll go like this. And he'll point to his name. You ever seen that? Can I tell you something? I doubt that that wide receiver threw a touchdown pass to himself. And I doubt that he had an offensive line that was blocking to get him free. And I'm pretty sure he had a coach who drew up a plan that he might be able to get free. And I'll bet you there were fans in the stands who were cheering him on and inspiring him to greatness in that moment. But all I can guarantee you is it wasn't just him. 
It was a team sport. And can I tell you, this thing called the kingdom of God and us stepping into leadership, it's a team sport. Be, be careful to check the ego at the door when it comes to leadership. Be careful in any leadership that it is. Church especially, but it's true in business, it's true in your schools, it's true in your homes. Check your ego at the door. As a leader, be quick to do a few things. Be quick to raise the profile of others and not so much yourself. Be quick to be humble. Be quick to be humble. What does humility look like? Sometimes as a leader, humility looks like saying, I'm sorry. Have you ever made a mistake as a leader? You know what? You want to know the best way to continue to progress in the direction that you're wanting to go? Is by saying, I'm sorry. Owning your mistakes, being humble, rallying the team, to, the team say it again, team, team, together, and doing what God has called us to do collectively. Okay, I'm going to run out of time here, so let's go. Verse 7. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Verse 9, very well, she replied, I'll go with you, but you'll receive no honor in this venture. For the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Listen, don't get too hung up on, on the part about a woman. You know what her heart is right here? She's showing a leadership attribute that not only do leaders lead with others, but leaders esteem others. She had, there was an opportunity for Barak to receive the limelight, to receive recognition. And, and, and what she was looking to do was to have him esteemed. Do, do, do me a favor here. As leaders, take your hands out and put in front of you. Go ahead. Now I want you to, turn, to reach around and pat yourself on the back. Okay. Now what I want you to do is reach to the person in front of you or beside you and pat, pat them on the back. What was easier? I, it wasn't this. And as you get wider like me, it becomes even harder. Listen, you, your arms weren't created to pat yourself on the back or else it would be a lot easier. But you see how much easier it was to pat the person in front of you? Or beside you, your arms are meant to pat esteem or pat the other person's back instead of your own. Stay humble. Stay humble. How many of you have ever had the, uh, the delight of spending more than one day at a hospital and having to eat their food? How many of you ever, like, when you were discharged from the hospital said, hey, that place was so good, we're going back? <laughs> right? There's another kind of hospital for you. He's got padded walls if you thought that way. There was um, a, a group of individuals uh, um, up in Ontario, Canada, and they had noticed how the quality of food was less than, you know, all that. Um, and, and, and not only did it not taste good, but they said that the nutritional level was subpar. And so for seven days, they ate nothing but hospital food as an experiment. At the end of those seven days, they said, something's got to be done. This is disgusting. And they said, isn't it ironic that the very place that is meant to make people better, to save them, 
forgot the most important basic need and how important that was. Food and nutrition. Listen, sometimes we can get so busy doing things and, and going and doing and going that we forget some people's most basic need. You know what our most basic need is? Is to be valued. Those that you're leading, those that you're working with, the most basic need that they have is to be valued, to be esteemed, to be honored. And, and so can I ask you something? As you're leading, are you not just leading with others, but are you leading by valuing those that you're doing ministry, doing home life, doing work with? Are you leading them by esteeming them? And can I give you just a, a quick a, a, a quick thing. Don't lie. How many of you have ever been complimented when you know the person complimenting you doesn't mean a dang thing they're saying? You ever been there? Uh-huh. Don't you look great in that dress? How many of you have ever had that one? Or, 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 or how many think, oh, you're so... Listen, sometimes we just esteem or build somebody up and we don't really mean it and we can see right through that, can't we? So, so do this, do this. If you love those you lead, you will easily find things to value them for. See, what love does is love puts on some rose-colored glasses, doesn't it? When you love someone, you see them differently than others do, right? I hope so. Like, come on. When you were first dating your spouse... You had some thick rose-colored glasses, didn't you? <laughs> My wife's rose-colored glasses were like that thick. She thought there was th I couldn't do anything wrong. Where'd those glasses go? <laughs> Just kidding. We need this back. But, but, do you see, but, but, but she would find things to consistently, and she still does a great job at this. Oh, honey, you're, you're so good at doing this. Or, honey, you're so good at that. And, and, and you know what? She means it. Why? Because she loves me. And, 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 and I receive that esteem. It's not just a spouse thing. It's a leadership thing. Those that you're leading, whoever it may be, are you finding opportunity to esteem them? To build them up? Verse 10, At Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. Now Heber the Kenite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, Hobab, and if you think I'm pronouncing these right, I have no idea. Um, I'm just going to keep going. Had moved away from the other members of his tribe and pitched his tent by the oak of Zananim near Kadesh. When Sisera told, was told that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called for all 900 of his iron chariots and all of his warriors, and they marched from Harasheth Hagawin to the, I try saying that three times fast, to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said, Barak, get ready. You're going to be the man today. Barak, get ready. You and you alone are going to score this touchdown for Israel. No, she said, and read this with me. Barak, get ready. This is the day. How come I'm the only one excited in here? Read that again. This is the day the Lord will get. Listen, a leader knows the source of his victory. 
Don't ever forget that, that a leader knows the source of their victory. Listen, she's sitting there saying, we're going to do the fighting. Barak, you're going to go out and fight, but the victory is the Lord's. Hear me. Whatever God is calling you to do, you can step out on faith because he's the one that's going to accomplish it. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how scary it sounds. If God has told you to do it, to rise up, to be a leader, let me tell you something. The victory is yours. You just got to walk it out. If he's called you, he's got you. The victory is the Lord's. And yet oftentimes, we're scared to step out the boat because we think the victory is all in what we do. No, leadership is standing up. Leadership is showing up. Leadership is rising up. But leadership is looking up. Leadership is knowing that the victory today is His. I don't know about you. I'm excited about the victories we've had as a church. We've had some awesome victories. But I'm not a guy that likes to look in the rearview mirror of victories. I like to look forward for the victories that are to come. And God has great victories for this church, for you, to make a difference in this kingdom. If we'll be leaders who fight like a girl. <laughs> if we'll be leaders who will take these principles... And say, Lord, I'm just going to make myself available. Teach me. Show me. Use me. I'm a little bit of a history nerd. Um, and I've shared this story before, but I want to share it again. One of my, it's about Thomas Jefferson. And Thomas Jefferson is with a group of individuals. They're riding on horseback. Some are on horseback. Some are walking. And they had to cross a river. And this river's become swollen because of rain. And so it, it, people couldn't just walk across it. And so... There's this one individual who wasn't on horseback. He's looking around. He sees Thomas Jefferson, and he says, Mr. President, will you give me a ride across the river? He, Thomas Jefferson puts him up on the horseback. Across they go with the rest of the party. He gets down, and one of the individuals asked him, he said, of all the people, I mean, all the people, you think that the best person to ask to give you a ride is the President of the United States? Like, you didn't think of asking anybody else? Why, why would you ask the president of the United States? And he said, because I looked at all the people and everybody had a bunch of no faces, but his face said yes. His face said yes. And that reminds me of a Bible verse. Second Chronicles 16, 9. It says that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the entire world looking for those who love him that he might strengthen them. And so when the eyes of the Lord are ranging throughout our campus, my prayer is that he would see a bunch of yes faces. A bunch of faces that would say, yes, Lord, use me. Yes, Lord, send me. Yes, Lord, call me to be the leader you've called me to be. And here what I'm telling you. Next week, Sunday, as we talked about this leadership event, it's more than just a leadership event. It's more than just getting into the details of volunteerism. Listen, it's about rising up as a church. It's about doing kingdom work. Man, I can, I, one thing I love about this campus, it's true about all the campuses, but I, I get to see it intentionally and specifically here. 
is the amount of incredible leaders that we have doing incredible things. For example, this morning, how many of you enjoy taking communion? Do you think that those crackers and that juice just got there by itself? No, there were leaders back there taking care of it. How many of you love coming to church and as you walk in that front door, there's someone there that says, good morning. It's good to see you. You know why? Because there's leaders over there who know that this is kingdom stuff. How many of you love driving onto our property and you see a parking team member and they're, they're waving to you, right? Because most of the time when you drive, you're getting another hand sign. But say, here, here, <laughs> here. You got leaders who let you know that you're valued. Tell you a quick story. I'm going to get you out of here. I had an awesome phone call this week with a lady who's come to East Lincoln once or twice. She had had a really bad accident. <clears throat> um, fell through her roof over a stairwell and tumbled all the way down. Broke some vertebrae in her back. And uh, we heard about it. Some of our leaders heard about it. And uh, they delivered some food to her. While they were there, they prayed with her. So a few nights, just a couple of nights. I called her up on my way home last week, and I just wanted to check in and say, Hey, how are you doing? And she goes, You know what, Pastor? As soon as I can walk again, my husband and I are coming to church to become members of this church. And let me tell you why. Because it's the first time we've ever seen a church that operated outside its foreign walls. They showed us love. Those were leaders. Those were leaders. <laughs> it wasn't no pastor it wasn't no staff member it was leaders and so Lord teach us to lead Lord teach us to lead because everything we put our hands to Father it points to kingdom and God what we ask right now is that you would move in us to a place that we would see ourselves for who we truly are Lord that we are leaders because you have called us to be God, I pray we would find opportunity to lead well. We would step into opportunity, not fearful. Lord God, we would step into opportunity, resisting what the enemy may try to convince us of. Lord, we step into opportunity of leadership, standing on your word and your word alone. Lord, teach us to fight like a girl. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, Visit us at gracecovenant.org.